Edith Amatuani was born in 1980 in Christchurch. Her parents came from Samoa to New Zealand in the 1960s. Her work explores that of the people living around her home in Ranui in Auckland, particularly that of the Samoan and Pacifica community. Projects have included Edith and George, shown in 2019 at the New Zealand Portrait Gallery in Wellington, which showed the work of Edith and George Crummer facing each other across the gallery by about 5 metres and 100 years. And the retrospective at the Adam Art Gallery, also this year, which included the projects La Fan del Mondo, which documented the process of a refugee family taking it first, its first steps into New Zealand, The End of My Driveway, showing kids in their journey to and from school in a liminal space between the authority of the family and school, and Edith's Talent Agency, where she looks for the talent to the local kids as a way to engage them into a photographic project of their talents. All her work is an honest document and exploration of a community massively underrepresented in New Zealand photography. Her work feels new, vital and fresh. It explores themes of home and underlines her honorary position as the local village photographer. Above all, to me, she was generous with her time and an easy person to talk to and laugh with. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Cheers. Bye. So when you started at, um, where did you do your degree? I did it at the now, it's, I call it defunct, Unitech Photography Department. Right. It, it was very strong in the early 2000s, I would say, and that ran for a good number of years before I kind of gutted it out and decided no more disciplines. Everyone in West Auckland seemed to have gone to Unitech. It was just not, we just weren't encouraged to go elsewhere. So I didn't know about other school options. So lucky for me, it was a strong photography yeah. department. And you seem, from everything I've read and interviews and everything, you seem to have, you took off very quickly from doing a degree to being yeah. known and winning awards. And yeah. You, did you have that in your head early on that, um, not that you wanted to do that, yeah, obviously yeah. that's a result of what you produce, but that you had an idea of what you wanted to produce, you know, were you doing yeah. other stuff, you know, were you doing fashion photography, whatever yeah, kind yeah, of, you yeah. know. Um, I tried my hand at um, kind of satire once, it wasn't funny, <laughs> <laughs> and my tutor tried to not let me do it, but you know, you had to do it, and it wasn't very good, and it wasn't very impactful. I mean, it was similar kind of story, but the my handle of the language wasn't memorable, or oh, I don't know, it just wasn't right. Yeah. And uh, so I sort of went back to my sort of way of making pictures. But your question about uh, sort of knowing, uh, I was I was very clear. I, I mean, I went two years after high school, yeah. which which really helped, yeah. I think. And I had a kid at the same time, which right. even um, gave you more inspiration to do better because wow. <laughs> I mean you don't have much time to go no. back and um, you know you leave your kid and you have to because you're bored out of your brain being at home but you also know you can't um, muck around you have a few hours yeah. in the library and you go yeah. home I think I was good at, I was good at researching so and I didn't have this I used to say outrageous things like um Annie Leibovitz was making some amazing image of the Sopranos and the sort of Last Supper yeah. style uh, photography. And I was like, I'm going to do that better than her. 
just outrageous. Like, just, but just to think that that was my family of people I could make images. I was like, oh yeah, you know, Katie Grandin was really big at the time, and I thought that she and I were like on the same. <laughs> like, same way. Yeah, I was just like, oh, she's making images in Pukitski or however you say it. And I'm making images in Tierra to West Auckland. Right. You know, yeah, I I yeah. um. I could see that they they were trying to say something and I was trying to say something from a particular part of the world and it was my job to be informed by yeah. what was happening around the so world. so young to have that clarity oh. of vision. Yeah. When I just remember yeah. being at university and no, doing photography and no one really, yeah. really knew. They, you know, yeah. they might have thought I want to be a photographer and I have a rough idea of what I want to do but no one had the idea of I want to be an a photographer documenting yeah. or doing this yeah. particular project. Yeah. Did you find that from other people on the course? <laughs> were you abnormal uh, in your clarity? Maybe, yeah, looking back, maybe I was abnormal, I'm not sure. I mean, having a kid helped. It yeah. really, it, it, in terms of not my view, but just my uh, focus, yeah. my laser focus. And because uh, I had to go back and look at the work that I've made, you know, the image of. Uh, Yoka holding the cups that I made that when I was in my third, fourth year of school. And I remember making that image, this young girl coming into the, some, in between the kitchen and some room, ferrying cups into a room. And I remember looking at Philip Lorca de Corsia's image of his brother from 1978, Mario, and his brother staring into the fridge. It's just this banal image, right? I found out he had um, triggered a flash inside the the refrigerator I was like oh oh like that's amazing you can make this but now slightly um strange or you can elevate that somehow by just changing yeah the technology or using a certain kind of technology so I'm going to use light I mean it's a very simple reduction to say yes you're doing that I can it works isn't it I think so yeah. yeah and and sometimes you can when you're young, you have that um, confidence or naivety yeah, to do so. Yeah, healthy naivety, yeah. Yeah, to yeah. go, he uses flash, I can use yeah, flash in the yeah. kitchen. It's so simple, but you don't quite understand all the things that are happening around the work or sometimes, but you, yeah, so I was simply going, oh, that's a technique I'd like to try. Yeah. And, uh, yeah so that's interesting that, as well that you use Philip Lorca de Portia as a sort of, someone you mentioned because his idea of building a strong narrative I guess there's some similarity the way you try and always have yeah. a narrative in your work even if his is more fictional yours is trying to bring maybe more of a truthful narrative yeah. into your body of work and I, I mean I'm always pulling from the world the real world memory um, experiences that annoyed me or or puzzled me or um not to be sentimental, but that I remember fondly of, like walking home from intermediate, okay. which is what the end of my driveway was yeah, trying to yeah, kind of get yeah. a handle on, with that liminal spaces, as I've heard people describe it as. Yeah. But how do you picture that? It's like, I don't know, how am I going to picture this in-between space? I mean, there are lots of ways that you could do it, but I'm, in terms of clarity... I have to photograph a thing. I couldn't make images about a that are ephemeral looking or that they're about a feeling. It might come from that place, but I was trying to articulate something 
So that's a good one to you know start talking about where yeah. did where did that come from? As you know, what were you looking to do? Were you did you sort of see someone the kids walking past your driveway and think, wow, that's an interesting, uh-huh. or was it very much I want to capture a certain feeling and then you try yeah. to sort of seek out that feeling? Yeah, yeah, I think it was more I was trying to capture a certain time. Yeah. I'm getting older, my kids getting older, you know, I couldn't have made this image when I was, all this work when I was in my early 20s. Uh, So it was a time between these sort of major poles in our life that have this impact, this major impact on our lives. My friend showed me this quote from Dennis Lehane, uh, what is he, Irish-American, Boston writer, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon often like making his... Uh, work into movies and there's this line in there that I love that uh, a homicide cop uses oh, and saying oh, I always think it's the things that you don't choose that make you who you are your school your home your neighborhood right so I thought mm, my work is always about those things yeah we're trying to I mean, yeah. grab a handle on those things what I loved about it is that it's such a it is a liminal space, a non-space that you don't give any thought to, and only you turning your lens on it makes you suddenly think, "Wow, what a space!" Yeah, makes you think. Made me think about my, you know, travels to and from school and how, you know, you're thinking, "What friends are you with?" How, you know, that that freedom for that twenty minutes where you're not being controlled by school or being controlled by family, and right. you can just walk through town and. It's, it's a really it's a really interesting space isn't it you know. and the way you capture the kids with that sometimes vacant look you know yeah. it was all, it was, it was yeah. I don't know it was you're given the freedom to have a vacant look because you don't have to be thinking about this or thinking yeah. about that it's really sometimes special space sometimes it's sad maybe yeah. you, you yeah. think you can see their feet maybe they're dragging it I mean their eyes are turned down and um, sometimes they're in their own thought thinking yeah. about whatever yeah. it might be yeah I think uh, yeah, I remember maybe when those those poles, home and school, are magnified or have um, a greater impact in your life, then you think about that space even more. So yeah, home is you are it might be strict or you ask so and so's daughter, and at yeah. school you're one of many or whatever you're that kid in school, but on the street you know you're free to spend yeah. your three dollars on hot chips yeah. and. <laughs> cut through a different way each time yeah, yeah. and look at the boys school walking past you and you know and meet these people that you don't need, normally see so I think that's what led me to the street and also was my attempt at photographing on the street so you know you look at these gold standards of photography of street photography yeah. they don't belong here they you know yeah. big cities um, London New York yeah, and I was like, oh, "How do we do it here? Yeah, it's not Queen Street. <laughs> it might be Cuba Street. I don't know, but it's not. It, and no I one really the, lives there, really. Yeah, and well, the difference is with with yours is that when you, you look at your Gary Winogrand's weather, it feels mm. like, as you say, they are the gold standard benchmark. And whenever you, if you try and do it in New Zealand, yeah. you're just copying what they're yeah. doing. But what's great about yours is it's completely placed. In, yeah, in New Zealand, in Auckland, and in a particular area of Auckland, and then seeing them walk past, it just again redefines the multicultural diaspora of that of Auckland and everything. It's just like it ticks so many boxes about it being so specific and about community yeah. and about 
your space yeah yeah i think i learned that yeah uh early i knew that early like i also grew up in the 90s where we were tr- in terms of music rap we were trying to rap like americans and it was really bad like it was really cringy like what we were trying to say was good but the fashion and the lang- the manner in which we were trying to do it was not good so I realised if I try and do a similar thing, it won't look good. It will look try hard or too American. So we, I grew up in that. That was a bad thing to look too American. Yeah. So I was like, okay, so how do I apply the things that look good over there but make it very specific to here? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I grew knew that. I was like, okay, we can't emulate the Gary Winograms. We don't live in that kind of place yeah. anyway. And all... Um, it's very hard to photograph on the shoot in New Zealand, right? Yeah. We're very funny about um, a public. And, uh, you know, we like to go home and entertain at home. <laughs> Barbecues. And the only people on the roads or on the street are people that have to be. Yeah. Right? right? Young kids. Yeah, none of that flinner wandering around no. and stuff really, is that? You're right. Yeah. No, I hated that idea when I went to art school and <laughs> the flaneur and, and yeah. thinking about that. What's so <laughs> romantic about that? <laughs> Go and do something. I had to walk to the intermediate social and it was so far, you know, like yeah, I remember. Well, you know, you walked home from parties when you were young and it was just like I mean, I had some amazing times thinking about it, but not by choice. Yeah. It was this, this thing that you all had to do. Yeah. Mm. How did you go about the end of the road? Did you just literally spend many occasions yeah. standing there with the camera? And did you experiment with more interaction or less interaction? Or, yeah. Because some of them, they've caught your eye, haven't they? And they're looking, looking at yeah. you and wondering, did you want to stand back and then not to see you? Or was it a yeah. longer lens? All that kind of stuff, too. Yeah, I, I knew I knew I wanted to photograph in my suburb. My, like proximity and access is key to me. You know, I have to be able to go back regularly. So going to photograph in another town or street made no sense. Yeah. So I, I, it was about photographing the subject often. As I honed I honed the process um, from photographing anywhere, any street to my driveway. Uh, mostly because the driveway is a busy street and lots of people, or lots of schools go past it. So the, before that, it was just documenting everyone who would walk past my driveway uh, as my kind of cowardly attempt to to stand on the street. Right, okay. Uh, and, you know, I, I didn't know it was about this sort of public-private thing. It felt like I was looking from my pool towards looking inside uh, interiors to look into it uh, outside to another portal very much so so I honed that approach after photographing a few places and then started photographing at times where there was the most traffic so mostly it was sort of informed by necessity yeah and then I culled out in the people who were ununiformed and the general public uh, I didn't want it to be about my neighborhood and I don't want it to feel like, oh, I know him, or, or I, I didn't want you to get a sense of what kind of neighbourhood I lived in. More about that, it was this, uh, it became more about, oh, starting to articulate. It is getting closer to talking about that time. And I saw the uniforms of kids as an armour. You know, it's like, oh, you're in your school uniform, and it's you, but not you. And it's a time, it's, it, 
signifies a time for you. So, yeah. so people who've seen the show, they're like, oh, I remember the stripy shirt of that uniform. That was a good, and that hairstyle, that was that. They, they yeah. can tell when that was made. <laughs> and it was definitely about a time. And I, and I photographed on the street, oh, sorry, on the driveway, pointing outwards for about a year. Uh, between the hours of nine yeah. or you know early morning, so it took to a while afternoon. to hone down. Yeah, from the wider street to yeah. your space to the school uniform to the kids and the school yeah. uniforms. Sounds interesting. And it was important that they could see me, so it was. I mean, if they noticed me, they noticed me, but I wasn't hiding, so I had yeah. to stand close enough. Yeah, that I was getting a certain kind of image, and I was getting one shot per per person. So when they walked past, yeah, it's quite. A, yeah, click. <laughs> and I took out most images where they were reacting to me, like striking a pose. I did have some of those. Yeah. All like, yeah. hide! Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I was wondering yeah. that because you said, you've, from things I've read, you've obviously perhaps everyone knows you in the community as the person with the camera. Yeah. So did did a lot of the kids know you already? Or, or they knew me after. Like at this time okay. I was transitioning from a job that was in the city. So I was teaching photography and you know like the equivalent of Massey University and I was doing it when I could really yeah and then then so I was still doing that I was being this artist and art teacher so people didn't know me in the neighborhood in the same way yeah but after that I was just like oh this is too after I exhausted that method I was like okay this is too easy now get into the community and photograph it and I was you know particularly interested in uh, Daniel Meadows, a friend of Martin Parr, who had this like bus, yeah. who went around and photographed his community. All the the studio photography of um, Sadu Keita from the sixties, um, you know, his guy in Mali, and he was that guy that you all went and saw and got your yeah. picture made. Yeah. And so I started to get this um, sort of village photographer yeah. envy. Yeah. Like I want to know everyone. I want. Okay. I want to be the person that you go and get your wedding portrait made, yeah. or, or whatever. I yeah. mean, it was connections I wanted to make. Uh, with other people with photography, so I pushed my way into the community and became then, the person that they started to know as the person with a good camera. Which is funny you say that because, um, from looking at all your work and then the exhibition at the Adam Art Gallery, I kind of assumed that. That was always there, yeah, rather right. than you making a decision to be more of the community. Yeah, because your work always seems to sure to sort of be coming from that that yeah. angle. So maybe yeah. you just just realizing that that is who you are artistically, and that you wanted to get even further. Cause, yeah, because what what did you you said you stopped teaching from the from photography degree? Yeah, and you've moved into more of a youth community yeah. role. How well, does how does that work? I think um, well I. It, Two parts. So the first thing about photographing in communities, I've always worked in, you know, photographing from an inside what inside view. So always working with my community. But you can only photograph your family for so long, you know. You can only. Yeah. So then I sort of extended that community out to uh, church or maybe um, the Lie family from Myanmar. And then I've extended my... Um, South into another community or made the community bigger and to do that to photograph as a sort of village photographer required me to be there more uh, so to make this transition from a 
type of work from teaching photography to working uh, in the community development sector or role working as a person who has a certain talent skill talent uh, in the same way that people seek you out for a job say, I need Andy to photograph but are you actually working in a youth like a youth role kind of yeah in a I mean, youth arts in, role okay yeah because I'm saying I was thinking God, you should be paid to do exactly what you do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Without have... any kind of art sales or anything else, because yeah, you know, it's that thing when art education and the way that arts can empower people and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Wow, you're doing such a good job at doing that. Yeah, you know? but I have to fashion it in a way that yeah. can be understood by the council. So yeah, um, it may not be just photographing. Sometimes it may be. Um, I don't know, just talking to people and asking what they want to do. Yeah. It might be they may want to do murals or something, so I connect them to other people who okay. can do yeah. that. So really, you and know. And this whole thing relates to the Edith Talent Agency. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's kind of how I kind of got off the street and then decided to do that very thing of actually approaching strangers. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I like your look. Um, so I needed a a role yeah. to play, and I needed a to take on a sort of persona. Yeah. So, so it gives you an excuse. Yeah. That, to break down that last barrier. Exactly. Kind of I couldn't say, "Hi, I'm Edith from Edith Studios." <laughs> yes. Well, I could have, but everybody has a camera, right? And yeah. Every, um, so I had to had to establish myself as a slightly different photographer. Um, one who may have connection to other people. Yeah, uh, I have sent um, images of um, people to modelling agencies, which they have got work for. Oh, wow. So that you know, yeah. sort of operating as an agent in, in that real sense as a, yeah. a talent agency, yeah. um, it has worked. And sometimes it's about um, uh, sort of mining the ground for. It may not look like talent, but it might be a, a story. It might be a person who may need to hear, hey man, you look good today. Yeah. <laughs> or you should let me take. There was this. I, I'm not very good at photographing adults <laughs> okay. or people I don't know. Yeah. Particularly men that I don't know. Right. And uh, I get this gig uh, every year. It's the Christmas party uh, for our local caravan park. Uh, so I often get sort of shunted into a corner while everyone gets this fancy meal and I have to figure out how to make this cool studio booth and no one wants their image taken like they're here for the free lunch Um, and so I have to like harass people to see if they want their image taken and it's a lot of no's and that's fine anyway uh, one one year I didn't have the best spot but I had um I managed to put myself in a posse where I was near a window so it was a daylight studio so I used the, the light travelling through the window as my light source and I chucked up a purple velvet backdrop and this guy walks in with this red jumper, it's in the show Bear Creek and I was like, excuse me, would you like your image taken? I mean, he's he's shaking and I was like, oh, come on, I'll make you look good. 
anyway, he he said yes. He sat down, and he um, I remember looking down. I was like, yeah, like, yeah. I did. Like I did make you look good. I meant it. Like I could make yeah, you yeah. look good. And um, I guess the talent agency kind of idea came from okay. that because my intention was, yeah. I'll make you look good, or uh, I'll make you see yourself different, or we can be seen differently yeah. here. Yeah. Well, I I see you in your outfit today. Yeah. Let me do that for you. So this kind of um, I sh- mm, I don't really like the word empowering, but this idea of uh, documenting deserving community was sort of my idea to like okay let's let's see if, how we can do this and um why don't you like the word empowering oh i don't know because <laughs> i think people use it particularly in the community development uh sector and in a throwaway manner as right, it's okay. easy yeah, as though everyone's empowered as soon as they're photographed oh uh, um sometimes maybe if you feed them if you give them a meal, oh, they're empowered now. I was just like, oh, actually, it's not that easy, really. The very next day when they saw that guy, I said, hey, I saw you. I took your photograph, remember? He said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you got $500? I'll, I can paint your car. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, I don't think it's as easy as we yeah, yeah. I think about it yeah. in that way. So it's like, yeah, maybe. It's tricky, too. So... One of the other questions I sort of sent to you, and from chatting with you, it's probably less of a good question now, but I wonder whether um, there are times when you think, God, I wish I did something that wasn't the community. Mm. You know, you're mm. well-known New Zealand photographer, and is there times you think, God, I wish I could just do a still life project? Yeah. Or, or it, you, even then you'd feel like you'd want to tie it back to a community aspect. To yeah. Yeah, I think... It's, it's um, a sort of, it feels like there's always a certain burden because no one's doing it yeah. other than you. Yeah. You know, really, the, the, I've, I've come across anyway. And you think, my God, is it so... Yeah, I don't... Um, yeah, I didn't think about it like that. But then you you get sometimes sensitive that you're, you become like... Or you get held up to be the person that is everything for, and it, for everyone. Yeah, okay. But I remember, oh, no, be, be specific to your generation too. So I grew up in the 90s, you know, my references are these people. And I'm sure there are criticisms that will come and be, but be very specific to your time. And the people will come after you and they'll make work in response yeah. to that. And But I didn't really think about the burden, um, but I wonder if people get over it, saying, oh, oh here she is again. Or, uh, you know... <laughs> Oversaturation, you know, your favourite singer is great, and then you, they're everywhere, and and you're over them. Uh, I wonder about, yes, yeah, of the saturation of the ma- <laughs> me in the market. Do you think? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you mean you've you've had a lot on at the moment, which is why I noticed you having the yeah. Edith and George and then Adam yeah. Mark Gallery, but then you know, it's quite interesting you saying about your generation when we were talking about the new photography, yeah. because I suppose we look back at that white male yeah. perspective from the 60s and it is all that photojournalism documentary yeah. representing the white male New Zealander and sometimes yeah. some women in it and your thing is now and is not that perspective. Yeah. So maybe this again comes back to us talking about whether you're 
producing for now and also producing for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years time when people will have a retrospective and go look at how this first started yeah, to that, emerge yeah. and you know we were becoming more of a diverse multicultural society and it was getting represented in the arts and that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't ever want to be scared of doing what I want to do. Yeah. But I remember my, when I was in primary school, I mean, all, a lot of things that, you know, because it's such a formative time, your schooling years. So lots of the things I want to do are informed by things that I thought when I was younger. And Shortland Street had started at Intermediate. And there were two brown people on the show. And um, Tim Morrison's accent is famous. Like, it was just hilarious. And he, uh, um, he spoke really strangely. And I was just thinking, oh, they look like me, but they don't quite sound like, um, sound like me. And uh, I think we've been trying to get better at yeah. what representation yeah. looks. We're, we're always thinking about how to do it better. So I, I did come from that place I want to represent our people and it's going to look like this and then you realise it's a trap you can't do that you can't represent everybody and um, you can't be the only one doing that that's too much yeah I don't, I don't know um, about a burden as such I just want to make sure I don't hover in the same spot yeah. making the same work saying the same thing I don't want to get in that trap well, that was that was what was nice with your your series on the Myanmar Burma refugees because it felt like um, it wasn't Pacifica community, but yeah. you were doing something that was looking at you know a, a new generation of people who are refugees from different countries yeah. coming here, and then I mean it was just so beautifully done the way you Ran like, like all things and why I do these podcasts is because sometimes you buy a book and you flick through it or you go to an exhibition and you walk through it quickly. And having the opportunity to actually look at stuff slowly and read reviews and yeah. is just really enjoyable. And that was a piece of work that I could have easily walked past quickly. But yeah. then having to see the way you were detailing the fence as <laughs> this kind of barrier of, you know, slowly exploring. It was like, I don't know, new kittens or something, wasn't yeah. it? Slowly <laughs> yeah. going to the garden, then going over yeah. the fence. And it was just yeah. so beautifully done as a metaphor for their whole experience of yeah. coming to a new country. And that patch of grass, yeah. and I often use the fence line as a horizon line. Like yeah. I do think about painting a lot. And the shadows as well, yeah. I thought. Well, sometimes they were just deep in the shadow and slightly yeah. emerging and other times. And then even yeah. the houses behind that kind of, they couldn't have been more perfect in a way. As yeah. These sort of very stereotypical New Zealand houses yeah. that are this new world, new life kind of thing. Yeah, the new yeah, you can smell the new kitchen floor yeah. from that that, yeah. Yeah. that image. Yeah. I learnt a lot from doing that that work. I mean like you do everything. But it, it was about trying to move away from uh photographing in a certain way because I got sort of tired of being described as oh she photographs Samoan people or Pacifica people. And I was like, Yeah I do but but <laughs> I'm interested in other things. Yeah. It's just that, you know, they are the players in the work so I thought okay let's see if I can look at the same thing but in another way with another community and I went to the Lai family really I got there from being here actually in the film archive I had no I don't know many people in Wellington so I'd hang out in the film archive and I found out by you know watching DVDs on migration uh, that Polish children came here to Island Bay 
uh, as refugees and child refugees. Oh, refugee, you know, forced migration? Oh, that's very different kind of migration to the, you know, the migration of, to the land of milk and honey is Pacific. Um, that's often that we describe okay. my parents' generation of coming here, okay. searching for a better life. But what happens when you flee one life for, an, for a new world? And uh, yeah, so got that kind of training or the idea of that here in Wellington and then went on and did um, what was then refugee service training for a month before meeting the Lai family. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's a way I'd do it again or it's a scary thing to poke your nose into places where you're not sure if you belong there or if you have the right to or... Um, if you're handling the material fairly yeah. or in yeah. a sensitive manner. Yeah. Uh, and then on the other hand, is it fair to ignore it? <laughs> yeah, you know, that, that's the yeah. other sort of thing I had to... Would you walk away because you're afraid to touch it? You know, yeah. is that yeah. fair to do too? So. Uh, and from your village photography background yeah. now... Say that you are justified in being good at handling that kind of question and those kind of issues. Yeah, it's not like you're storming in doing a one-day photo shoot of a family and then nipping out, feeling job yeah. done, got my work, got my images. You know, you're yeah. spending time. Yeah, I um, yeah, I mean, I would be a terrible photojournalist. <laughs> yeah, I said I don't know in a recent thing with someone else in an article, you know, when I had to photograph some All Blacks and you get, like, five of them, five, yeah, 20 yeah, minutes, and yeah. you get drip, put into, like, some corridor because you're not Adidas. <laughs> yeah. Like, make so do was with that the window. a commercial job? Or was... Yeah, it oh, was. Okay, so I wonder when you said that before, whether that yeah. was part of your early series when you were no. photographing rabbit players. Oh, no. and... They're just regular okay. sort of... Uh, <laughs> Provincial, then turned sort of European okay. rugby players, but yeah. not, uh, yeah. you know, the A grade All Blacks. But that was a commercial job. <laughs> it was awful. This is terrible at it. Did you? Did, was it okay in the end? No, oh, I mean it was okay. It was. It was used. It was. It was used, but yeah. you know, to think that you could <laughs> photo edit. Photo editors and myself, you look at this work. Yeah, that's great. You can look, now commission her to do a job with the All Blacks. Like, oh, actually, I need four years with people. (laughs) I need all sorts of access, not the kind of access that get negotiated through their media person and then they decide where I go and then they decide what what gets used as well. Yeah. yeah. Did you shoot it in the same style as as the stadium shot? No, you you don't get that. (laughs) You go on media day. Okay, okay, yeah. And it's you with all these other people with massive lenses right okay and um you know and you get two minutes with them and people don't really believe that you're a decent photographer because you've got this tiny camera and <laughs> no flash and then you know this other time you get put in a place like okay you're in a hotel and you can have this part so I got like a window I got a room a bit no I didn't even get a room I got a space as big as this and so between breaks, as they were walking to the get their food or something, yeah. I got 
a few minutes with them. Yeah. So I had to do the very best, but I thought, oh, this is so hard and uh, full credit to people who do it and who do it really well. Yeah, I know. It's you mean, really hard. It's nerve wracking, isn't it? Yeah. Think, if this goes wrong, there's no right second take. No, <laughs> really. And you have to make the best with what you can yeah. in the situations given to you that you have very little control over. So one of the other things I was thinking about was um, the way your work is in um, private commercial galleries. You know, yeah. art gallery portrait gallery how I assume you have some when you're working with the kids in the community I guess it gets shown in community spaces as well yeah. or at least in their homes and that's there's kind of different pulls from producing work for the Adamart gallery or for Shh. not for the Adamart gallery but end yeah. up there sure and for the portrait gallery um and for a commercial gallery and I just wonder how that works in your yeah. practice yeah it's all the same. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That I, um, <laughs> an image that uh, might get shown at the Adam Art Gallery, maybe a kid, the same subject's profile picture, and he might have like edited it to put his name all over it or something. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's fine to me. I, I don't have a... I think... Yeah, I think it's all the same. It's just all platforms. Yeah, yeah. And I used to feel funny about them. What do you think about showing in certain kinds of galleries? And you know, it's like, if, what's more, what's more appropriate um, platform to show your work? And all of them. Yeah. <laughs> bus yeah. stops, bus shelters, yeah. um, magazines, private galleries, um, commercially. I suppose with the, I suppose the only difference with, and I'm kind of being devil's advocate. Sure. I agree with you. The only difference with. Um, private gallery is I assume there are many photography collectors of you know in, in New Zealand yeah but they, they'll they'll have that and they'll have that on their wall and it's taken out of context sure. and it's in a very nice apartment or a very nice house because they're the people that can afford a few yeah. thousand dollars on a photograph or whatever um, mm. does that I mean again it's just another platform and it's supporting your work and all that kind of thing but does that um, do you have any questions of it being decontextualised I guess yeah yeah um, a certain people and I have very how much control do I have over the market or who owns my work I have some I mean it's I have a dealer that can talk, we talk about where it goes mostly it's collected um, for public institutions okay yeah um, if a collector wants to spend $30,000 on a set of images say more credit to you <laughs> it's pretty hard to live with big uh, six foot four rugby player and <laughs> I feel like um, the work that I make is strong and uh, can stand up to the rich homes of or yeah I feel like it but it's often not really who's looking at my work okay, in the market yeah, it's yeah. not it's a strong work I think and I don't think it's it, it would sit easily in a f- nicely furnished apartment yeah. Yeah. I mean, image of someone getting told off in their living room. It's not really about trying to make you feel yeah. better while you're yeah. making lattes. Yeah, I, I hope that it would still stand up to that. Yeah, I think that was one occasion when I listened to you having that chat with David Cook that you said that brought in different work to your gallery or something. Oh, uh, yeah. You were thinking, I want to create something more arty. Or... Yeah, yeah. Well, oh, I was trying funny. to be more poetic I was trying yeah. to be like Alex Soth 
I mean, <laughs> and this is before I had made end of my driveway, so okay, it was still yeah. sort of uncooked. Well, there's a lot. There's a lot of poeticism in end of driveway, really, isn't there? Yeah, well, I didn't know it, and I was trying yeah. to do something. But I didn't know quite the length. Of the yeah, minute, so and was... that made me. Funny enough, you make you reference Philip Lorca de Courtchard. I never say his name at the beginning. Yeah, and that made me think of his um, those lovely ones I first remembered of his, where he had a big flash on the streets of New York. Oh, yeah, he just yeah. captured. Yeah, and I thought there was something of that in the way yeah. he just captured that because yeah. they weren't aware and they yeah. were in their own world walking yeah. through a street. And I thought it was, it was more of a authentic version of that because they, they felt so. Um, they were epic, weren't they? But um, yeah. yours were still grounded in the space, you know, rather than completely just highlighting the place. Yeah. I don't know how to wire light trick. Who knows how to no, do that? That was tricky. That was a long time no. ago. Yeah, that's too much work. And, <laughs> and also, uh, I'm standing like this. Okay, yeah, I forgot you said. So yeah, I don't have a tripod. Yeah. I, I'm not using a 35mm. People can see me. Yeah. Often a non-event when I photograph. Yeah, yeah. I, I ran a teacher's workshop on Tuesday, and uh, some of the feedback, or one of the feedback was like, would have been good to see the artists and um, working on pro- how do they work with it? And I was like, no. <laughs> yeah. Teaching art and making art are, are two different things. Yeah. It's just like, I could never share that process as a sort of demonstration. Yeah, yeah. I Even for me doing commercial stuff, people yeah. say, can I shadow you? And I think I don't know what they think I'm going to be doing. Yeah. It's really boring. <laughs> and even if they shadow you, what can they know? Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes, yeah. Uh, what you know is what you know how to do, and yeah. only Andy can do that. And I feel like if you were to watch me, even then, I don't know if you'd know how to do it. And yeah, that's yeah. a very intimate thing. I think it's between me and whatever I'm trying to get my hand all on. Yeah. So yeah, this. Alex soft bad idea that I had done is like I was photographing kids like in bus stops and it was raining it was slightly out of focus but it was not focused on the right thing and, and I was photographing I was trying to do you know trying to articulate a feeling but the pictures were bad you know yeah I can see it in yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> I spent so much money on framing I was just like... <laughs> so I, I often laugh when I see their work you know yeah. but I even that experience is useful, isn't it? Yeah. To know what your work is and what why yeah. it's different to that. It's fine. It's good if yeah. you're not feeling that in your work. You're not maybe doing it enough. You know, you might need to push yourself a little yeah. bit more. Yeah. Beyond that. I was only other couple of questions. We've done. Should we be chatting for ages? I think I can't remember when we started. But the other couple of questions that I'd written, I was thinking of. Um, you know, on that general representation mm. of Pacifica in New Zealand, mm. whether you felt anything's changed in the because 15 of years or so that you've been working in it, and whether it's uh, getting a wider representation. People talk about decolonising yeah. the art gallery as a big thing since I've only been here a few years. Yeah. Like, okay. And funnily yeah. enough, I was looking at someone, you know, an art photography artist in the UK who has only through Instagram, who's just said she was on a workshop about decolonising. Yeah. From in the UK, the, yeah. um, the the teaching of photography, yeah, and I thought, wow, that's that's really interesting. Yeah. It's also having some play over there. As yeah, well. yeah, I think it's. Um, I've been to a lot of high school plays recently, and, and it's embedded in the language there too. You know, okay, yeah. our curriculum. Why don't we know about these things? We're navigators. Why are we not taught about that? So it's uh, the 
looking at what we know and how we know it has changed. Yeah. Even looking at the way we TV is made, it's like, hmm. Well, um, are taking a pla- ma- making our own stories and taking the platform is now um, sort of widely discussed. So anyway, Shiloh, my daughter who made the uh, vinyl, had a uh, digital wallpaper. Yeah, she was making the siren, Jesus. She was like, I don't want to make Jesus white, but when I change his colour, it doesn't work with the background. <laughs> <laughs> she was, I'm going to make siren Jesus. And I was like, oh yeah, cool, cool. But um, maybe, I don't know, my generation, I don't know if we could have had those conversations like, Jesus, we don't touch Jesus. Yeah, you know, yeah, so yeah. I think about, like, <laughs> thinking about who these people are in power or things are in power. And what they look like to us is definitely changing. It's, it's changing and becoming um, conversations I feel like we can have now. Um, not everyone will understand what it's like to carry cups of tea. It's a performance of that ritual. Not everyone will know that. Especially Shyla, my own daughter, second generation. She doesn't have that. Yeah burden of certain kinds of cultural rituals yeah but she has other kinds and you know it comes at a loss sometimes because uh you know in some ways you've been encouraged to yeah. think in different ways but yeah you know yeah. because you went forced to go to sunday school you don't know how to sing someone songs the way i know yeah. how to sing them. So it comes at a loss yeah, yeah so if we we um we think about that i think more now I think I guess it's about there being a choice Mm. you know Mm. and there's so many of them now yeah and it's you was also you when we when you first came that you you said about um the students at Victoria doing a response to your work at the art gallery and they might be second or third generation yeah you know we were saying what does that mean to them if they're they're so New Zealand you know embedded in New Zealand and their parents were born here as well then wow that's what does what does that actually mean? Yeah. I mean, they must, you know, I don't know. I'm a white middle-aged guy from the UK, but but that must mean something about their identity being New Zealand yeah. as much as you know specifically Samoan or wherever it's from. Yeah, and more so than me. Like when I grew up, I was like, oh, I know I'm not Samoan, Samoan. I'm New Zealand, Samoan. What does that look like? And 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 they'll know that even more or think about that in another way. Mm, about it, you know, it comes at a cost of others. Like, you know, we weren't allowed to play outside on Sundays, and we watched other kids do that. And you know, Sundays was a, but it's not the case, say, for my kid. Yeah. And uh, but comes at a sort of cost of other things. Not, yeah. You know, maybe not the language they, um, because the church is like, for me, it was the village centre where you learnt things as well you know you're restricted from many things but you also learnt songs about Samoan history that I was like we used to sing a song about the New Zealand government coming in or um, with their machine guns this is this very dark day in Samoan history and shooting our leaders <coughs> and I sang that song long time for a long time not knowing they were singing about machine guns and I was like, oh yeah, I know that song. I yeah. know that history. Yeah. So um, 
yeah, I think about the kind of upbringing I've had and how that's informed yeah. what I've done. Yeah, and uh, I'm not sure what it will look like in 30 no. years from now, too, no. and what kind of work I'll make, too. Yeah. There. Yeah.